and Raising Rare, we are bringing you the story of a young father whose son has an ultra-rare disorder known as Sedegatian type spondial metaphysial dysplasia, or SSMD. My name is Kevin Fryert. Each episode, we will find out what is going on in the life of Sanath and his son, Raghav. We will talk about Raghav's growth and development, ongoing and upcoming research, and the challenges and adventures that raising a child with a nearly unknown condition brings. Come join us to hear the story unfold. Welcome back to Raising Rare. We are so grateful that all our listeners continue to tune in. Please tell your friends and colleagues to give us a try and maybe subscribe to us too. For several episodes, we have been teasing you with a discussion about the cochlear implant that Raghav got back in the fall. Today is finally the day. Both Sanath and Rami are here, and I've really been looking forward to, to this discussion. And I hope you have been too. So how are the two of you doing today? Hey, Kevin. Nice to talk to you after a long time. We're all doing good. Yeah, we're doing awesome. It's Excellent. Been, uh, it's been, it's starting to get a little bit more sunny here in Seattle, so that's, there's nothing to complain. We had a snowstorm this week, so I actually have winter, and now the sun is glistening off the snow. It's great. Why don't we talk about the cochlear implant? And I'd like to start why was this even considered? You know, what were the clues that this would be needed or, or, or it might help? Raghav, you know, as soon as he was born, he failed his newborn hearing test. Uh, so we know his uh, hearing was atypical, you know, right from early days. So we went through a series of tests to confirm that if his hearing was really, you know, atypical. So we went through maybe three or four bear tests where I remember Raga was really tiny and we had to hold him without moving him a little bit. So I remember Sanat was the one who took up the challenge. It was a sleeping baby. Sanat held Raga and we had all these tests, which confirmed that Raga had auditory neuropathy, which is one of those, you know, again, a rare thing for hearing. You're patients are either completely deaf, they have partial hearing, or they hear well. But uh, in Raghav's case, he was diagnosed with auditory neuropathy, which is again, one of those gray areas, meaning he can hear sometime, and sometimes he doesn't. So that's how we knew that Raghav had hearing problems. And with the auditory neuropathy, doctors are not able to tell us when he can hear. And so from when he was born, we were always guessing that he was able to hear. In fact, we would do tests with him with like a, a very loud toy or, or a music playing on YouTube while he's just getting ready to wake up and, and see if that would wake him up. Yeah, and uh, then we would all cheer if Raghav opened his eyes for that. We're like, yay, he is hearing. You know, these doctors know nothing. <laughs> right. And and it kept going, you know, back and forth on whether whether he could hear us or not. These tests were always inconclusive and, and we always felt like he was hearing us a little bit, but it was just never uh, consistent. So it, it made sense for us to go to a, some other device. We started with the hearing aid and then we, they upgraded us to a cochlear implant. So who brought up that possibility? Was it you guys or were the doctors leaning that way? So cochlear implant process is fairly intensive because it's expensive and it's a permanent change insurance makes sure 
I mean, insurance and the doctors, they make sure that the patient really needs it. Uh, so Raga was first on a trial with hearing aid and they did a series of tests and therapy to see if it was helping him, if it made a change to his communication or the way he was hearing. But again, we it had inconclusive results. He heard sometimes with the hearing aid, but other times he would just not respond. So we know it was not sufficient for him. And that's when the audiologist, our ENT surgeon, everyone got a, got you know, talk to us about cochlear implant. For people who may not know what these are, they may have seen them or seen kids or adults with them. I have a, a fraternity brother who I noticed has a cochlear implant now. Could you explain, as, as you understand it, as, as lay people would understand it, how does a cochlear implant actually work? It's, it's like a, a Bluetooth headset, but permanently fixed in your head. So it bypasses your, your hearing, like the ears, your hearing system and, go, and, and goes directly to the brain. And so he has, he, was, he, he has a, a piece that is surgically placed inside his head, not too close to his brain or anything like that. It's, it's on the hearing canal, uh, hearing nerve. And then he has an external piece, which is the microphone, which relays the, the signal back to his internal piece, which then sends it, sends it to his brain. The technology has been around for decades now. There's a lot of people that get cochlear implants. You know, some folks get get a, get into an accident and then they have a head head injury and they they lose their ability to hear, uh, or or they have a structural damage in their ear and they need a cochlear implant. And so, if you go to the the cochlear implant website, there are several manufacturers, and cochlear is is one of the manufacturers. They they you know you, you can see people of of all ages that are having the implant. The implants have gotten a lot more fancier these days. So it's all Bluetooth, which is awesome. So I can apparently, previously the problem is because you don't have your hearing, you don't have your ears accessible. Uh, you cannot use your uh, phone. Uh, you cannot put your phone up next to your hear, ear and, 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 and hear anything because it bypasses all of that. And so now they made it Bluetooth. So you can actually stream directly from your phone to your cochlear implant. They have. They actually have an external microphone that they gave you, which is an omnidirectional microphone. So if you're if you're going to an opera or a concert, you put the microphone in, in front of you, and then it picks up all the sound around you with the with the right acoustic and you know the the reverberation and all that stuff. And so people will will hear a, a lot more than that. So there's a there's there's a lot of advancements, and they even have nice cancellation. I feel I feel like I'm I'm a representative <laughs> for the cochlear company, but I I just love the fact that they have so much in the technology. It doesn't surprise me that you're, you know, kind of enraptured with the uh, technology there. That, <laughs> that's you, Sonneth, and I knew you'd have the answers here. So did he get one or did he have bilateral? He, he, just, got, he just got one. Uh, so they said we will start with one and see how he's hearing before we go bilateral. Now that he's hearing fine, um, we don't see a need to go to bilateral, I think. I know a lot of kids who who are hearing just fine and go to school and communicate with just one clear implant. Yeah, I was I was just wondering if they had talked about in like knowing where sounds are coming from and the directionality that two would give you. But obviously you want to know if it's working first. So you've gotten that far. You've got a long time to say, hey, maybe add it later. Does he take off that external speaker at night? Yeah, he's supposed to be taking it off every night because the so there's a magnet that aligns in place with the internal piece, and and the pressure of the magnet can cause your blood vessels to 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 get constricted and and lose blood flow in that area. 
So they actually recommend that you take it off at night. The doctor said some of the older people can keep it on at night and because they can feel when that uh, blood flow is going down and they can sort of um, remove it as needed. Um, but then he doesn't have it at night. He's gotten better at hearing in general, like his sensitivity to hearing has improved even without the implant. So at night, now we have to be really, really extra quiet. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of a really nice feature of it is uh, it's time to go to sleep. I don't hear anything now. My wife could use that because someone in our house snores. <laughs> um, oh, I've never heard it, is. though. I've never heard anybody snoring. So, um, <laughs> so, so what was this process that you went through once you were saying, okay, we're going to look at a cochlear implant? What were the steps? It was a long process. Long. I remember there was just, you know, a 10 page or a 12 page form that I had filled out, you know, a health history. And then for some reason, our packet got lost in mail or whatever. Oh, that's right. We had to waste one month there. And after a bunch of follow-ups, we were able to get onto their queue where someone evaluates, you know, all his history and all his uh, hearing tests to make sure he's really ready for cochlear implant. And then they will have to apply for a pre-approval from insurance. Then once that's done, that's when they talk about surgery scheduling and all of that. So it was a really long process, if I remember right. And then they had to, he had, he had to be fitted with a hearing aid. Did he have it in both ears? Yeah. I think he did, right? Yeah. So we started with one and then added to both ears. And then we went through multiple rounds of reprogramming his hearing aid to increase the, the sound, or to amplify the sound. Um, and go through a lot of therapies. So there was a lot of process before we said we were ready for an implant. And then scheduling for surgery also took a while. And along the way, a bunch of other things happened. So it, it was a very long process. And honestly, we needed that time as well, because this was a permanent change to Raghav's body, meaning we were going to put something near his skull, near his brain. This was not an easy thing for us to process. So we needed that time to talk to other parents who have gone through this, talk about other kids' experience before we, we made that decision. What were the risks that they pointed out you should be aware of? I think it's the risks from the surgery. That, that was the only complication. Like, you know, would, would it cause any inflammation? Would there be infection? And, and so on and so forth. There was there was largely no risk from the device itself. But there was always this unknown where uh, they kept saying they were not sure if the cochlear implant would benefit Raghav. So that made the decision all the more harder for us. They were like, we're going to try, but it might not help him. That's what we were told. Yeah, and you're always doing a benefit risk profile here. And if there's some risk and you don't know if there's benefit, it, it does make it harder. A question I just sort of had is, will he grow out of it? Will he need this to be done again? No, he would, he would not need another implant, uh, but I think he will need a change of the device, and they recommend doing it every five years because new, new technology comes in. Uh, and apparently these devices, I mean, for, for us, it, it looks like he should be hearing flawlessly, but then frequency and the loudness range of the devices is largely attenuated. Um, and so, for example, if a piano player had to get a cochlear implant, they would not be able to play the piano, they would not be able to hear all the tunes as much as they would be before. And so with new technology, they, they always make it a lot more better. 
And so they recommend changing the, in, the internal device. part. Yeah. Every five years or so. Uh, but, you know, he would not grow out of it in terms of like size or anything. It's just for upgrades. It's fascinating. Really. It is. I mean, as you said, it's been around for decades, but it, you can just imagine where that technology will go in, in the future. It, it'll be just amazing. Like things like Bluetooth and other other technologies that were invented for pleasure are are being used for for a real value. Yeah, and the part that was that is still funny to me is the external part of the cochlear implant. Literally, it's it's a magnet. It sticks to his head, and we started calling him Robot Raga because of that. It's like. Bam. And if something metal, uh, you know, if I, if I take it near him, it sticks to his head. It's it's funny to me. I just get a good laugh out of it. <laughs> the little guy, uh, you know, having things stick to his head is not fun. <laughs> and and the, and the device changes color when the magnet sticks properly. So if the magnet is not sticking and it's just hovering around his head, it's like orange. And if it actually sticks and if he's hearing, it turns green. And so he, he, his, he, he, he is a partial robot at this point. Yeah. And he, he really smiles and he turns very happy whenever we put the magnet back because he knows he's going to start hearing. He gets very excited when we do that. So when was it activated? How long has it been? November, I think. It's been three months. Three months. Three months. That's, that's a good long time to start learning what's going on with it. How did he first react and how is he reacting now? Yeah, so the first time we put it on at the hospital, he had no reaction to it at all. So we were like super uh, anxious because you see these babies on YouTube that you you know you put put the put the device on and the first thing you say they they get super excited and they start crying and stuff like that. So nothing happened. We came back home, uh, we let it go by a few weeks. Uh, and they they sort of change the program on it, so they change how loudness and the 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 frequencies and the pitches and stuff. I think we changed the program on it once, and then we were testing it with an external microphone that they gave us. I was just testing this microphone. I didn't know if he was going to hear it at all. Uh, I just called him Raga, and he started laughing. Uh, and this was this was me standing like far away from him. I was just testing how long the microphone's range would work. And he suddenly started laughing and, and talking. And, you know, every, every one of us took turns to stand behind him, like far behind him and use the microphone to talk to him. And he would, he would react just like he would react if we were in front of him. So that was, you know, it's an amazing day. We, we have videos of everybody talking with him. Yeah, we had a YouTube moment where Raga was laughing and he started crying after a while because he was not able to see me when I was singing his favorite rhyme from behind him. So it was a, it was a very, very transformational day. How is he adjusting to this? This is like a brand new, it's not totally brand new because you said he has partial hearing, inconsistent, but how is he reacting to this, this hearing and what's changing? He's both happy as well as drained because of this new experience. Raghav is happy because he's able to hear all of us talk, sing. Uh, he's able to hear his toys. Uh, so he, he, he really is excited uh, when he gets all these new inputs. But at the same time, he tires out really quickly because he's, you know, this is all new, uh, you know, hearing for him. And we do a lot of therapy on top of that to train him to talk, replicate sounds, recognize sounds. So it drains him a lot. He, he, he tires out very quickly. Yeah, I think with, with all 
babies and toddlers, they're learning so fast and their brains are just churning through energy. And so that's why they take naps all the time. And, and you've just like literally turned up the volume of, of what his brain has to do now. Um, so it's like a good sign though, right? It's, it's, it's like he's getting tired because he's actually, he's growing into it. Yeah, it's a very good sign. It, it, took us a, it took us a month, month and a half maybe for him to get used to that sort of a, an, an exhaustion. And so when we turned the cochlear implant on, he would get tired just half hour in an hour. And then we have to take him and give him some rest, which we still do actually now a lot more than we used to do before. So that, that sort of a, a rest and calm moment is something that he needs. If the house is too noisy, he's going to be tired very soon. So we, we have gotten very sensitive to the noise around us. And so if the house is too noisy, we don't play with him. So we, you know, we, we don't give him multiple inputs. So he doesn't tire himself out by trying to figure out what we are saying on top of all the existing noise. Mm -hmm. there. That's, that's like new adjustments from us. We try to keep the volume of everything down. We try to speak softly. And we're so used to seeing movies with just subtitles because if Raghav's playing or Raghav's watching TV, we we don't turn on sound in our laptops or whatever. It's all completely subtitles. <laughs> yeah, we said we try to stay quiet as quiet as possible. And Sanath and I try and use sign language whenever possible. If we have to do some secret communication which no one understands, <laughs> we both communicate. We'll have to talk about that one some other time. Um. <laughs> Although I have, I, 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 I only know of very few limited signs. Ramya knows a lot more of ASL <laughs> and she, she's proficient at it. She, she learns it the first time the teacher teaches her, but then like, it takes me 10 times. Raghav will learn the next and ask for her faster than me. Well, someone has to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been the biggest surprise? I think the fact that he has been hearing all along was the biggest surprise. So, you know, he, he knew his favorite rhymes. He knew his name. He was able to differentiate between all of our voices. I think the biggest surprise was the fact that he, he had been learning uh, all, all of our voices and sounds even before the implant. And when we got to the right level at the implant, he started recognizing right away. I think that was the, the biggest surprise that we didn't anticipate. I think the second biggest one is that, you know, people said his, his vision would go down when we turn on his, his hearing abilities uh, because his vision has been super more like supercharged and more powerful because he didn't have the hearing ability before he had to double down on his vision to make sense of his environment. But in fact, his vision has gone up after we turned on the implant because he's now no, he's now able to locate the source of the sound and, and look at the source of the sound. Um, it's not as fast as you and I would do, but then previously he never used to do that. So if um, if someone was talking to him on an iPad, on, on a Zoom call, he would hear them or he would maybe look at them, but he would not do both. Now he has like 15 minute, 20 minute conversations with with folks on, on video chat. And just, just this past week or this week, actually, his vision therapist sent us an email saying, oh, I'm so happy I had a 10 minute conversation with Raga for the very first time. We want to thank Stealth Biotherapeutics for supporting this episode of Raising Rare. Stealth Biotherapeutics is an innovative biopharmaceutical company developing therapies to treat mitochondrial dysfunction associated with genetic mitochondrial diseases and common diseases of aging.
So now I've learned that Raghav goes to the opera and he takes Zoom calls and, you know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, so he does a lot of that. <laughs> what are the, what are the doctors, what are the professionals saying about progress that he'll make now? What are, what are the expectations they're setting and are there any markers or milestones you're supposed to be looking for? Cochlear implant is supposed to improve his communication. So what we're watching for right now is constant progress in the way he communicates. Raghav might not use spoken language to communicate, but he will use his hearing to communicate in other ways. So that's what we are looking for. And it would be amazing if Raghav develops spoken language. So what we're looking for now is for him to use, put two syllables together or try and babble more. And that means you know, cochlear implant is working. So we work with therapists every week to measure progress. And we have regular appointments to tune his cochlear implant better so he can hear those fine sounds, not just the loud ones. So a bunch of things going on to see if, if he's making progress. So that's, that sounds like painstaking work, right? It's, it's your child babbling. And, and every time he babbles a little more, it's like, oh, there he goes, there he goes. And... Exactly. And he's also trying to uh, say some sounds, like he's trying to babble um, and also say like, amma and appa for mom and dad. And he called me a thing last week, which I'm very proud of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but it happened once and didn't happen again. <laughs> It's always fascinated me how humans learn how to communicate and, and, and read and, you know, what, what do we do? And it's actually things like that where something happens and someone reacts and that gets reinforced and it builds up so slowly at first, but then once the vocabulary, you start putting pieces together and our brains are just amazing. Yeah. And the nonverbal communication is just, is just. You know, something I can't even comprehend, you know, just having a look or just looking down can mean so much. I don't know when Raga was going to learn all that seems like a huge task. He will get there. It, it may take a little bit longer, but he will, he will get there and you'll start to notice those things. You've, you've talked about it before. In fact, you've talked about using sign language and that he recognizes things. I forget what word it was. Oh, I think it was when you were going to go in the car and you would get upset. Um, <laughs> so you, you would get a reaction. Yeah, no, he gets really, really happy when we go in the car. And, and oh, the, new, the newest development, and I think it happened after the cochlear implant as well, is, is that he knows when we are pulling into our house. We, we don't have to get into the garage. He knows when we are turning out from the main street into our, our, our community uh, street here. Uh, I, I don't know how he does that. He's looking at outside, but you know he's he doesn't seem like he's looking outside for it. But a combination of things like maybe speed and and you know sound and you know the road noise and a whole bunch of things you know help him determine that. And so every time we cl come closer to the house, he has a sigh of relief. I'm like, oh, thank God we came home. Again, it's just fascinating to watch little kids grow up and and figure out how do they how do they make sense of all this. And, and he's probably seeing parts of the neighborhood you never see, like 
the wires that you go by or whatever, the things that are out the window. And he recognizes, you know, his telephone wires. Oh yeah. We're almost home. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a fair way to recognize it. The thing is always there all the time and it's only here. I know that you guys recently started a evaluation process for finding other ways to help him communicate. And I did a little bit of homework so that the process is called AAC and that's assessment for augmentative and alternative communication. Can you tell me what that was and what it was like? Oh, like anything for Raghav, everything starts off being not so great. So Raghav failed his AAC test. And what that means is we took him, I took him to the AAC evaluation. They asked me a bunch of questions on how he was responding and what his typical response is to a few things, like if I would get angry or if I'm behind him and whatnot, all these questions. It took us an hour. And what I what we were hoping for out of this appointment is for us to get some kind of a device that we can use to help Raghav communicate. But by the end of the session, I was told that Raghav was not ready and that his communication skills mapped to that of a three to six month old. So they just sent us back home saying, you know, come back after a year and let's see uh, where it goes. That's how the official appointment went. But at home, we are trying to communicate with him without devices as well as with few devices like the iPad, uh, like using a visual uh, eye, tracker. eye tracker. So we're trying a bunch of things at home, which seems to be working, but we're far, far away from him actually using it as a communication device. I think it's one thing to use a device, like he can play a game in an eye tracker device. It's another thing for him to learn to communicate with it. And, and to learn to communicate, we have to change our, our ways of doing things. Like when we ask him if he needs a diaper change, it needs to be using the device. And so it needs, the device needs to be ergonomic. He needs to have access to it all the time. It needs to work for our you know, workflows at home. So it, it, there's a lot going on and we are trying to figure out what the right device would be while he also learns how to use a device. There's a, a catalog that I started getting um, because of something I had been doing at work. And it's just full of things for for helping people people make adaptations and, and accommodations. And there's devices in there that are, you know, like there were a red, yellow, and green buttons, you know, that are great big buttons. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, maybe at his stage he can he can communicate yes and no or something like that. But that's all learning, right? That's like learning. How do I know I'm at home when, when the car gets to the corner? And I think it's, that's, uh, I, I think there's hope there, but I'm kind of disappointed to hear that not quite yet, not quite ready for it, but it is interesting. They gave you a baseline right now. He maps to three to six months old on communication, you know, great next time. Hopefully that's six to nine months or, or, or nine months to a year, whatever the next step would be. Raising Rare is produced by Salem Oaks, empowering patients and caregivers to shape the future of medicine. CureGPX4.org is dedicated to finding a treatment and cure for SSMD. You can donate to CureGPX4 on the Raising Rare podcast page or at CureGPX4.org. You can continue to follow Raga's story next time on Raising Rare.